You are now listening to Between Us Girls, the podcast, where we discuss life's fuckeries and then some over wine. show this is michelle jen sharonda danielle and this is between Between us girls and tonight we have what a very special episode um we do have a guest um author tori stuckey has decided to come and sit with us girls and discuss a little bit about his new book that's coming out it is called his dough her cookie and what he's going to do is talk to us about being the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so not having the cookie, being, being um, the girl, cookie. be we gonna the cookie. We're going to own the cookie. Be the cookie. <laughs> I already own this man. Feel the cookie. Live the cookie. Got it. So, um, yeah, that and also the plight of the independent black woman. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but before we get into all that. Sharonda, what are we sipping on? We are sipping on a Domaine de Puy. De <laughs> <laughs> <The> who? <laughs> no, I refuse to say that again. Domaine de Puy. Okay, de Puy. It is a, oh God, Colombard and Uni blend grape. And the vintage is 2015. And we will let you know our score at the end of the episode. Yeah, this is like a super fancy French pronunciation everything on the bottle is like gook le gook gung that was my French that was my French you sound like one of my chefs thank you see Danielle be hating on me all the time I didn't say anything I saw your face though okay all right all right so tell us about your book well his dough her cookie it's uh it's a relationship self-help for uh for black women it's geared towards restoring marriage in the black community and promoting black love and uh, strong black communities. Okay. Um, what makes you an expert on the issues discussed in your book? I don't necessarily consider myself an expert as much as I consider myself a concerned citizen of the black community. Uh, I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm not Steve Harvey. Uh, the book is not written from that standpoint. I actually fought writing this book for about three years. And I finally gave in and decided to write it because I'm not a relationship I hate relationship books, to be honest with you. So I consider this to be the antithesis of a relationship book. Um, so I read, I wrote it from a community activist standpoint. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's more so focusing on the impact and the fallout of the lack of marriage in the black community and uh, the uh, the large disproportionate amount of single uh, mother homes. Hmm. Well, um, I have to say, looking at the title, I definitely wouldn't kind of perceive it in that way so that's pretty cool yeah i mean i mean the title itself sounds a little raunchy i mean i I tell people all the time it really depends on the subtitle and what you tag it with so i could have named it his dough her cookie how to get the dough without giving up the draws right and i could have took it in a whole different path but i just i i gave the subtitle some a more serious uh uh, tone just so people could kind of clean it up but the the whole meaning of the title is just that his dough, her cookie is talking about that transactional relationship we sometimes have between black men and women where men 
use women for sex and women sometimes use men for money. Mm-hmm. And so I argue in a book that if we only have that type of surface relationship, we miss out on the goodness that God designed for us in companionship. And so I argue that the real relationship between a cookie and dough is lost upon us. Mm-hmm. And so I argue that a cookie, a cookie is to uh, dough is to cookie what man is to woman. And mm-hmm. that a cookie cannot exist without the dough, and the dough is not complete in its raw form. And it's, biblically speaking, the Bible says that God made Adam, said it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he wasn't complete. And so he put him to sleep, took a piece of his rib to create Eve. So I argue in the book that woman you know, could not exist without man and man is not complete without woman. So that's the true relationship between the dough and the cookie. Okay. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I do agree. I think the, the rest of the ladies agree that, uh, we do need each other. Absolutely. So there seems to be an overabundance of self-help books from men on what women should do to salvage the community. Um, what made you want to give us the instructions versus men like yourself? Well, I don't know if there's an overabundance as much as there's a heightened awareness from women. To be honest with you, um, I do a lot of research before I create books to see if there's a super saturated market for it. I think there are several. I mean, one of the most popular is like a Steve Harvey, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but again, like I said, I tried to write this book uh, completely different from something like his. But I get a lot of my female friends approaching me um, looking for some sound male advice. I mean, I'm, I'm the other side of the equation, right? right? And so I wrote it from that standpoint, from a male perspective, speaking to black women, to give you some of that sound advice that may you may not get from talking to your other girlfriends. And the reality is, from a community activist standpoint, why I wrote it is that 72% of black children are being raised by single black mothers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking about a problem in the black community, and when you talk about trying to bring about change, you have to find those people who are going to be those change agents for you. And regardless of all the reasons why black men are not there, they're not present. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to be a change agent if you're not present. That's true. Um, okay. In your book, you state the greatest deed a, wo- a black woman can do for her community is marry a black man. Are you opposed to interracial marriage? I'm not opposed to it, but it's not the greatest deed a black woman could do for the black community. Okay, so... What about black men in interracial relationships? That's also same a disservice. Same okay. answer. I mean, I believe I have nothing against interracial dating. Absolutely. I want to make sure that's clear. But when talking about restoring the black community to it's at a point where it's actually prospering, it's actually thriving. Um, I think you have to build back up the community. So if you say you're a black man or say you're a black woman, you marry a white man, right? He's not from that culture. Mm-hmm. And so he might not be tied to that culture the same way you are. And so you may opt to live outside of that community and you might not give back to that community. You might try to build up the community the same way you would if you were married to a black man who also has that same tie to that culture as you do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I make that argument. Not to say that people people can do whatever they want to do. And if black women only limit themselves to black men based on statistics, the pool is, is very small or a shrinking pool. And so I'm just saying from a community, building up the community standpoint, I really believe that black men and women need to start um, okay. marrying each other. So do you think that there is an, uh, a concern with the black community being watered down then if people date outside their race? No. I mean, I think all black is black. I know I don't get into that, what percentage or anything like that. It's more about me from a mindset, who, who's willing to, you know, who, who cares about the community? Who's willing to help try to uplift it? I mean, a lot of this stuff is some hard work. I mean, it takes a lot of sacrifice. So if you're not somebody who lived it and was in it, you might not want to 
consider yourself a martyr for the for the cause. And so if we don't do it, who's going to do it as far as building back up the community to provide financial stability for the black community? And that's really what it is. If you're an interracial couple and you're in the community and you're getting it done and you're fighting the good fight, then I say more power to it. Let's do it. That was going to be my next question. I was going to ask if you felt like there was some inauthenticity to people of a different race fighting for the black community. Well, I think everybody have their own reasons why they do it. You know, some people go on crusades and they make them feel good or what have you. So I really can't speak to the heart and mind of different people. I appreciate the help. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I'll focus on, you know, at the end of the day, what the results were. You know, people talk about the Emancipation Proclamation. They talk about Abraham Lincoln. Was he really, was it an altruistic thing that he did in trying to free the slave? I don't think that was it. I don't think his focus was about the slaves Freedom, and why yeah. he was doing it. He was trying to unify the United States. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it also brought, you can't ignore what it brought about. And so I'm not, I can't get into the hearts of people what they're trying to do. But if you want to stand out there with some, you know, and help walk the streets and protest with me, then I'm going to say more power to you. Come on and join me. We need your help. Okay. Um, so let me ask a question about segregation. Yes. Do you feel like it was a, a negative for us? Segregation? Mm-hmm. Or desegregation, my bad. Oh, yeah, there's obviously some negative aspects to it. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the history of blacks, you look at some of the communities that were thriving, like the most popular one is Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I mean, they came through with race riots and tried to destroy that place and set people on fire and burn down businesses. And at the end of the day, they were still able to build back up Black Wall Street. And really what ultimately destroyed it is was desegregation. And once you had, black people were able to go spend their money elsewhere, they did. And mm-hmm. we've continued to do that. That money still hasn't returned to the black community. I mean, they say the dollar s- circles or cycle within the black community in less than six seconds. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the, the Chinese uh, dollar, they say, circulate within their community for 21 days before exits. So mm-hmm. I don't know how we build back up financial stability without building back up more strong black families, building up strong black-owned businesses, building up strong black communities. And that's really kind of the stair step. You yeah. can't heal the community unless you heal the family. Well, there's kind of a power struggle between uh, black men and black women. Absolutely. Do you feel like women should just concede and? Well, I believe, and this is my just in my traditional background and my beliefs, my faith, that the man is the head of the household. Mm-hmm. And so, as that, I don't mean that you run your household with an iron fist. I don't believe. I think a lot of men have the wrong idea of what it means to lead, and they're, you know. You're the head, but you also have to be submissive to God and to Christ. And if you haven't submitted yourself to him to be led by him, then I wouldn't follow you either as a woman. Right. And so that's part of the problem. We have this, um, there's a lot of children, men and women, being raised by single mothers. Mm -hmm. So those young boys become immature men, and they have a false understanding of what it means to be a man. And so their idea of being the head is very controlling, is very uh, possessive. And it's oppressing for a woman. So if I was a woman, I wouldn't want to be uh, in that type of relationship submitting to some man who had that I- idea of what it means to be the, lead, the leader of the family either. Well, okay. And that prompted one more question, and then I guess I'm we can get into the show topics. If those boys are being raised by single women, yes, who are they emulating? Are they emulating us in this controlling, possessive manner? Is it us? Well, I think... Where did they get it from? <laughs> Um, that's a, that's a good point. I think it's a lot of emulating that goes on. 
Um, I think you see this that kind of dichotomy between young men, and I won't go too deep into it because we probably don't have the time to really go there. But um, it's interesting some studies that have shown, particularly in the black community, that you have two types of young men being raised by women, single black mothers. You get the ones that have more feminine mannerisms because they're kind of around their mother a lot and they're kind of emulating her. It's not that they're gay or anything like that. It's just they're around their mother a lot and her friends. Or you get the ones who are like hyper-masculine. The guys who listen to all this hip-hop music or out there in the streets and they're surrounded by, you know, in some, maybe some urban communities. And so those like the, like the area, I'm from Chicago. You got these guys on the south side of Chicago who just think shoot a man on sight and there's nothing to it. They have no respect for life, that type of thing. That's the hyper-masculinity. And I think both are products of absence of real fathers in the home. Okay, I can see that. So just no in-between. What do you mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to ask the same question. I was question. giving no you the extreme, the extreme ends. Obviously, oh, okay. there's, okay. Okay. there's okay. I, that was the extreme ends of it. But I do think it's tough for young men of any color being raised by single. I don't believe a mother has the ability to raise a son on her own. I, I mean, I, I think a son or a daughter, to be honest with you. I don't believe that um, anyone, single dad or single mother, I really believe in the full family unit. And so I came from a, I was a product of a single parent home, and I can tell you firsthand that I struggled. Um, trying to understand what it means to be a man. And, uh, you know, you go looking for that male influence. There's only so much my mom could give me. And so you go out looking for it. Sometimes you find that influence from positive people. Sometimes you find it from negative people. And so um, mine was like a mixture of both. But I definitely had to go to some type of, like, really reconditioning of my mind. It was really after leaving my neighborhood on the south side of Chicago and going off to college. And that really presented me with that opportunity to get away from Negative. My ne- my neighborhood, and it kind of made me see the world. You know, I stopped thinking the world was flat, so to speak. You know, kind of mm-hmm. opened up my mind. I realized I was um, ignorant to some, to some degree. I had a lot of misconceptions about the world and things like that. So as I started to kind of uncover some things and kind of figure out who I was and kind of like really stay true to my, my identity, that's when things change for me. And I think a lot of young men don't get a chance to go through that kind of reconditioning. And so they, they go, they, they age in years, but they don't age in mind and they mm-hmm. still carry on the same way. Well, and I know this is not what we're talking about, but there are a lot of people who are raised in a two parent household who grow Completely in age. And, and well, here we go. Two, two parent households. We gotta, we gotta obviously put a qualifier out there and say it should be a healthy household, right? Sometimes two parent household was not healthy. And sometimes you have fathers who are there physically, but they're 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 absent, you know, really mentally. They're not mm-hmm. really there, and they're absent emotionally. Yeah. And so, again, when we talk about it, it's kind of generalizing, but we're talking about it as if it was a, a healthy, you know, two-parent family. Okay. Well, last question. Uh, what do you hope to gain with this book? The only sole purpose of this book is really just to talk about, you know, relationship or lack thereof between black men and women. I don't think we talk about the statistic enough that 72% of black children are being raised by single mothers, single black mothers. I think that's epidemic proportions, but I must be alone in that thought because people just kind of keep on, you know, we talking about black lives matter, right? And we, we out here marching the streets about it and I've done it too, but we talking about from a percentage standpoint of the amount of white officers who killed black people or black young men, it's a pretty small percentage. Now I'm talking about 72% of black children are being raised by single black mothers. As it relates to poverty, 
as it relates to a lot of social issues, as it relates to just building back up the black community, all these things are being hindered by this issue. But nobody really talks about it. So that's why I've decided to spend three years working on this project to get it to the forefront so we can start a national dialogue on the topic. I blame okay. Donald Trump. <coughs> you do? I yes. do. Why not? <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into our topics. Um, we have a couple topics. First, we want to discuss the basics of a relationship. And secondly, we want to touch on this independent black woman issue. All right. Um, so first, uh, where do you think the disconnect between men and women began? And why are so many people having a difficulty finding love and lasting relationship? Um, I think two things. Well, one, hand in hand with the other. It's um, fear. And mm-hmm. fear, there's a lack of trust between yeah. men and women, specifically black men and women. So there's a fear factor, right? And so there's a lot of baggage that people bring in, both men and women, whether they know it or not. And so you walk into a situation sometimes, and because of your past baggage, uh, you fear things, and you don't trust that person. You won't allow yourself to be open or vulnerable enough to get hurt. And sometimes I think that's that's really it. That communication obviously is always a key to it but i think that trust factor can like manifest itself in so many different ways you know and if the trust isn't there you really can't build on the relationship so that's the biggest one i feel like and that's why in the book i got a section where i talk about the hip-hop industry and talk about the uh um the role it's playing in this kind of um paranoia that i call it of being hurt because mm-hmm. we talk about, think about it, everybody getting played by somebody, some guy out here with five different women, and you got the women, and you got these videos with all these women jockeying for position for these men. So it's very much um, misogynistic. It's very mm-hmm. much hyper-masculine. And so art, you know, life imitates art, right? right. More than art imitates life. Mm-hmm. And so you... Everybody listen to this. I hear women, I say, I'm sorry. I have guilty pleasure. I love ratchet music. I love trap music and all that stuff. And all of it is misogynistic to women. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. All of it is. Oh, and yeah. so you pump enough of that into your head. I just feel like that subconsciously leaves you feeling like, am I trying? Is he trying to play me? Is he trying to do this? What's his angle? And you feed that into whatever prior baggage, all that. But you don't yeah. think that people are capable of separating like no. entertainment from no, I don't. like real life? I mean, I kind of feel like as far as the disconnect is concerned is it kind of goes down to like the title of your book. Like, you know, men fear that a woman is using him for his money and then a woman feels like he just want to have sex with her. And that's not perpetuated in rap music every day. It is. But I feel like that people are capable of separating between entertainment and that at the same time. You got a lot of confidence in people. I don't. I feel like, and I and this was a big time to me. Yeah. Like I guess it was maybe like last year or two years ago when Chris Brown came out with that damn song, "These Hoes Ain't Loyal," and it was like instantly everybody, all the memes and everything was like, all women do is cheat, 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 knowing damn well <laughs> we do not cheat. Women are faithful creatures. I know. Way, First of all, let's just get that straight. Lord. Women are like one hundred percent faithful. But, like, they're still using it now. Really, Danielle? I'm going to let that I don't ride. think so. Can we say, ride. like, the pregnancy test that's 99.9? Right, right, right. I mean, everybody cheats. One. Both sexes do. But I feel like, I mean, I kind of can agree with Tori on this one with as far as the music being an influencer. I just think it's subconscious. I don't think it's, like, you know, something that's, like, 
like you said, if you're an educated person, you understand it, you can try to compartmentalize it. But I think music has a way to reach your soul. The same way people listen to spiritual music, listen to any type of music, get you into a certain type of mood. So constantly, repetitively hearing these things, I think it does play on your subconscious, whether you know it or not. It's persuasive images. Just like what we do with commercials and advertising companies spend all this money trying to think of things they can put in front of you that's subliminal to kind of sink things into your spirit. Well, you know what's so funny to me, too, is like people listen to music that's catchy, and they sing the chorus, but they don't listen to that. Don't, don't, don't even realize it. <laughs> that bad and bougie. Yeah. Everybody yeah. was like, ooh, which one of these girls? I'm like, do y'all know what they're talking about? Exactly. Y'all know they're talking about cooking dope. Or the, the, the Ariana Uzi. song. Um, which one? The one that, uh, La Sara. The side to side. The side to side song. <laughs> And it's like, oh, this is so catchy. Song, yeah, but if you watch the video, like when she rides yeah, the exercise bike. if you're bike. listening to it, you're not understanding what she's saying until you actually watch the video. But that's why you have to like, now I'm about to get all musical hotep and be like, you have to open up your third eye to the music. <laughs> But but I'm serious. Like Just people don't listen hotel. to you it. Can't go full hotel. <laughs> right. You know right. what? I, I I you never go full hotel. I don't, don't ever go full don't, hotel. Don't, please don't. Ever. We won't be. I mean, I'm just kidding about the hotel part, but I'm serious about listening to no, lyrics. You're, you're like when I shut up, Sharonda. <laughs> uh, Sorry, you guys are part of the Beehive. I'm just sure. I'm just curious. I, I am. Are you part of Beehive? Okay. I'm a hiver. You no, might not I'm like not. the book then. No. I'm a hive. No. Member. I'm good. I'm pretty critical of the Beehive and Beyonce in the book. You have to go right now. All right. I mean, I'm gonna read it or whatever. <laughs> Get out. But but how do you? I honestly got anything as her. I just people refer to her as a feminist, and I just don't think she subscribes. I don't subscribe to the thought that she is. My brand of feminism doesn't. Are you a hers. feminist? I am. I consider myself one. So why don't you feel? I'm sorry, Danielle. Uh, say what you're gonna say. No go. So who would be? Who would be someone that you know you would consider? You know. A feminist. Yeah, a feminist. Someone she that... Searching for that word. Searching for no, that word. I'm saying because I didn't... I mean, think about F- it. I mean, yeah. Angela Davis still around right now. She's yeah. one of the original yeah. back in the 70s, what have you. She still, to me, represent what it's about. I mean, if you really think about how the black feminist movement came to be, and I kind of talk about this in the book as well, but, you know, black women felt like there was too much sexism within the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. and they had no voice. And then there was too much racism within the broader women's movement. And so they needed a movement that basically married their gender and their color together. And that's why they separated from just the civil rights movement. They saw the civil rights movement as civil rights for all black men, not all black people. And they started their own movement for that very reason. And so they wanted to be respected for their minds more over their bodies. And I feel like this new age black feminism is all about objectify yourself. Don't allow a man objectify you. Just Amber Rose and all these different type of people. Slut even, e- yes, even Beyonce. She want to have alter egos, and that's her way, I guess, of being able to are you, choose. Are you pick trying to down talk the leotard? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that you got You can't have. You cannot have collective consciousness. I mean, you can't have con- convenient consciousness. And it's plenty of times when things I might want to listen to or whatever the case may be. It's like, I consider myself a change agent. And so for that very reason, certain things I'm just not going to do. I'm not going to support certain music. Not that I don't like it. I mean, I grew up listening to rap music my whole life. And so it's just certain things you make a stance on as just a political stance. And you say, you know, I'm not doing it. And so that's the problem I have with, not with Beyonce's particularly, that people keep referring to her as a, as a feminist. And I just, I, I struggle with that title for her. Did you watch Lemonade? I did not. 
<laughs> okay, so what, the problem that I have with what you said is that there is no one way to be, period. And yeah. so, like, what kind of what you said makes it seem like you you have to be a certain way to be a, fem- a feminist. Like, you can't be a sexual being at the same time and be a feminist. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the feminist, the black feminist movement was a political movement. And it had agenda. And it had a purpose for what they were trying to do. And so, I'm saying, based on that, um, that there are certain things in which like ties into that whole idea of what it is, right? I'm not saying that you can't be different types. There's all types of women who were a part of that movement when it first started. But at the end of the day, they were not objectifying themselves. Well, the that times the are different. The times are Number different. One. I agree with that. So we can't be Angela Davis. You but know, even in the 70s, they were very sexual. They were. They're extremely sexual in the 70s. I mean, I just don't think that if I celebrate my body, if I want to put my body on display and have some pasties on, and at the same time say Black Lives Matter, I don't feel like you should discredit me as a person or as a feminist because I have some pasties over my nipples. And because her breasts are exposed. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because you can see my titties does not mean you, do, you need to exactly. disrespect me, okay? Well, again, again, like I said, like shimmy, shimmy. It, it kind of flies in the face of the traditional purist fact, uh, feminist. And again, I agree with you guys, it's a different day and age, which is why I said this new age black feminism. I think the focus needs to be more on the political struggles for black women. When you talk about uh, wage discrimination, we talk about... Um, you know, rape and other things, more serious things versus trying to tear down gender roles and redefine them and do all these different things. And I'm not saying there's not a, a need for that as well, but I think, again, it seems to be like today that New Age Black Feminism mantra is don't never be at the mercy of a man. That's what I get from my friends who are feminists. So it almost sounds like, in a nutshell, basically saying never be at the mercy of a man. So my problem with that is that when you're telling someone to never be at the mercy of a man, how do two come together in relationship and build together? And for instance, if you're a black woman and you see yourself as a strong black feminist and you say, I don't want to be at the mercy of a man, and you and your husband or whoever are trying to build together, right? And you decide to have children. And... You know, he expects, hey, well, we're going to have kids now. You're going to have to probably stay back, right? Stay back home until the kids get a little older to stay home. You're going to say, why would, why should I have to be the person that stay home? My career is just as important as your career. And then here comes this power oh struggle. God, why I they can't go to daycare? No, no, you are stretching. So hear me out. So, like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not stretching. I'm just saying the real thing. If you don't want to be at the mercy of a man, you're not going to allow yourself to stay home. Because here's at, the reason at why. At the mercy of hear me a out. man. Hear me let, me, out. Okay. let me just finish I'm up. I'm marinating on just that right there. Right. So, like, so here's the thing. If oh you can sit, so you don't, you, you don't like the oh. idea of that? You I, think that's, at the mercy of a man. I'm just marinating right there. Continue. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So, so my only point I was trying to make is that I hear women say this to me all the time. It's like, I'm not going to stay home and sacrifice my career for him or for having kids or whatever the case may be. And what about five years from now, 10 years from now, he decides he doesn't want to be, for, be with me no more. He leaves me for Becky. Right. Well, and then it's like, so now I'm, I'm, so I'm at his mercy because he's the only one making money. I'm not making any money. I'm not, you know, adding to my, you know, my resume. I'm not doing anything. And so now I'm at his mercy and if he decides to leave, that's it. And so it's true what this person, the picture that this paper, this person is painting. But the reality is, there's no, there's no guarantees in anything that we do in life, right? And so I just don't, 
believe in this whole idea of trying to not stay home because you're trying to fend, protect yourself know. from being. But I mean, from that standpoint, Unless, first of all, that's going to be a, a mutual decision. You don't get to tell me shit. Well, you go tell me. That's I'm what I'm saying. No, no, no. It won't be mutual because we just had the baby. No, no. I didn't say you was telling. Me. I'm saying like the expectation becomes that hey, well, we have these new kids at home. We have these newborns at home. So, uh, well, I'm not going to stay home. So. Let's be realistic. The mom goes on maternity leave right. if she's working. Okay, right. cool. But if you decide to go back to work, that's fine. Absolutely. Daycare is expensive. If they want to stay home, hey, more power to them. But the thing is, is that what they're saying is real. And I'm not even talking about in the black community. How many white women do you see who get abandoned by their husband after staying home for years and right. years yeah. they have no work experience right then what yeah and that's why i'm saying so now the again the argument is that you shouldn't be doing that don't put yourself at the mercy of somebody who can walk out on you so no that's leaving but and know who's no getting guarantee. hurt no one knows getting hurt by it though the children are but because the children are being that, raised that by the relationship cares. is going to stay solid there's no, again? there's no guarantee that that relationship. I is didn't going say it was no guarantee. I said there was no guarantees in life as well. So I you said. can't say don't put your mercy at yourself at the mercy of someone who's going to leave you. You just never I, know what people are going to. I change. said that's the new age black feminist mantra, not mine. Never be at the mercy of a man. I, I just kind of feel like the mercy of a man is is ridiculous because yeah, you're that, you're I in think, control yeah, of yourself. Maybe. at Okay, all so times. here's another example. Then I'll give you. Maybe you'll agree better with this one. There's a lot of women who may be pushing their mid thirties, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, I want to have children. And they also believe in being married before having children, right? So mm-hmm. they don't have any children out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the feminist friends I have, maybe I just have some ones that are extreme. So they fe- all say feminists who are stringently sure they must be married before having children. Are no, no, these no. feminist so hoteps? So, <laughs> so hear me out. So hear me out. So hear me out. No. So they'll say they'll say to they'll say to they'll say to this woman, hey. If you're, if you want to have your baby, have your baby. Like you're basically putting yourself at the mercy of a man. If you're saying you're going to wait until you're married to have a child, you can't propose to yourself. You can't marry yourself. And so have your baby. So to some degree, that's perpetuating this, this cycle of single black mothers in my mind by even creating that type of, um, so we that do okay. Of, uh, so we did this to ourselves. Okay. Say that again. So we did this to ourselves. <laughs> I didn't say you did this to yourself. Girl, I'm, I'm not saying... gonna wait for no man to marry me. There go one. Hold on. Let me get this baby. Let me try real over quick. there and pick up some Let of me this sperm. I'm saying that. I'm, there's a lot of women. There's a lot of women single because of men haven't stepped up and did what they were supposed to do, That's and true. they walked out. There's a lot of men who's locked up and not there. I mean, there's men who had children by everybody up the block and so they ain't in anybody's house so I'm not trying to paint this rosy picture for black men what I'm saying is that I'm trying to restore the institution of marriage in the black community and I think when you start having these type of then we start trying to create this divide between black men and women which is absolutely what's happening right now again you talk about this lack of trust and all these different things I just feel like there's a struggle because women are saying hey this ain't the 50s no more I ain't about to walk around barefoot pregnant pregnant in in the kitchen. kitchen I'm going to go do this and I'm not about to stay at home. And then you decide all of a sudden you don't want to be here again. That goes back to that fear and that lack of trust. I think we got to restore that. I always use, I use president Obama and Michelle Obama as an example in the book, because I think they are beloved by everybody. It seemed like, and they talk about it. So I read Obama's book, the audacity of hope. 
and he talks about when he was running for senator, how he was on the road so much, and he wasn't sure that his marriage would make it through this campaign because Michelle was basically accusing him of making her a single mom because she was always home and she had to do everything on her own because he was out. And so he admittedly said, hey, you know, even though I consider myself a very liberal person, very progressive, the reality is when kids came along, it was Michelle who was expected to take time off of work and be there for the kids and stay home and make sure they get a bath, they got baths and they were had dinner and he was out chasing after his dream, right? And so I said, just because you sacrifice and decide to stay at home doesn't mean you sacrifice your dreams. I think if you have dreams, lifelong dreams, you never give those up. But she did have to put some things on the back burner, right? Now this woman has is phenomenal in her own right. You know, lawyer, Arthur, phenomenal speaker, you know, but I think she valued her role and title of wife and mother over all those other things. And so she sacrificed. And so you look at the Obama family right now as a unit, they're much better off because of her sacrifice, right? So now he's just completed two successful terms. The kids are doing phenomenal. One's on their way to Harvard. And now she's well poised that she wanted to run for president in 2020. And so, so to me, that's what it looks like as far as the give and take. So women should concede. Okay. Absolutely. Well, and the man is, is the head I'll of say. the household. I'm not going to bash I'm this not going to be bashful about, about that. If I chose to stay home, and Patrick and I talked about this a while ago. You're not staying home, by the way. If I chose to stay home, I would do something at home. I would never not do something, even if I was at home, because... You mean, like, I, work from home? Yeah, like, I, I can't... That's not me, you know what I mean? Like, I can't just I be you. there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I can still... I mean, right now, I work by myself and take care of my kids. I, I could definitely do it from the house, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like that's that's the, the disconnect, is just because you say, I'm going to stay home, doesn't mean you have to sit still. You can Absolutely. still be great. And, and I just want to clarify, too, I'm not promoting that women stay home and that they come out of the workforce and come back home. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the reason why you're working matters to me. Motive matters. So if you're working because you're working out of fear that this man could potentially leave you and you're trying to safeguard yourself against it, that's the problem. That's the independent ideology that I'm pinpointing as being a problem in the book. It's not about actions as much as it is the state of mind. And so I want to separate being a career woman and being an independent woman are not synonymous with one another. People talk about them as if they're interchangeably, uh, um, but they're not the same. So, yes, being a career woman gives you financial independence, but it doesn't make you independent in and of itself. Even being a mother who's been forced to be a single mother, that doesn't make you an independent woman. What makes you an independent woman is somebody who chooses and prefers to stand alone and be sovereign. I don't believe it's possible to be independent in a relationship. I believe in interdependence. And so if somebody's saying they're independent, that means they want to be able to do everything on their own. That, the, the, just, but it's not just financial independence. Independence to me means independence across the board. And there's certain things you can provide for yourself as a woman, I mean, financially and all these different things. But when you're talking about from a companionship standpoint, there's only so many things that you can provide for yourself um, when it comes to that. So. Okay. Well, that was a very interesting conversation. Danielle, did you have anything you wanted to say before we wrap up? Let's see. Um, <laughs> first of all, no. okay. first, of, first all, of all, you got me fucked up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so as far as being independent, the independent woman goes. So you think that that is the the basis for the um, the downturn of the black relationship? No. 
I think that we pinpointed a lot of other things. So I've read books and I've seen studies done talk about why there's a, a large percentage of single black women and single black mothers. And so they point to mass incarceration. You point to the amount of black men dating outside of their race, amount of gay black men. They talk about how black women are matriculating from college at a much higher rate than black men. So if you want somebody who's at least the same educational level as you, Tori, loses. what does matriculate mean for the people who don't Gra- know? I'm sorry. <laughs> Graduate, graduating from college, right, from at a much higher rate. And so that means it, you're not going to probably date any man who has a high school diploma or a GED or maybe even a dropout. So that pool is shrinking as a result of that. So again... All that is is a finger pointing out to say all the reasons why because it's a shrinking pool of black men, shrinking pool of black men. But yet I talk to a lot of black men who say they get stuck, good men who get stuck in the friend zone, right? And so you let me go, 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 right? So, so because he ain't got enough swag or he ain't got enough this, he ain't got enough that. He get put in the friend zone, right? This year, there's no such thing as friend zone. So the only point I'm saying is that for so many women saying they can't find a man or there's no good man out here there's plenty of men who saying they're getting put into the friend zone okay and so i'm gonna cut you off right there because first of all there's no such thing as friend zone yeah it is second do you really think that men want to have a woman to depend upon them do they yes that's i mean that's in the nature of a man a real man are you sure absolutely men are are providers that's in the nature of i mean they're providers you might have been around some people that's not real men let me tell you something and this is what i've I've been wanting to say (laughs) I'm listening. Most women that I see in my circle that have really great marriages, just like Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. are independent, brave, and strong. They stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't take no shit, mm-hmm. no matter from who. Mm-hmm. Yes, their man is still the leader of the household or whatever, Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. But they're super strong. There's nothing wrong with being strong, no but I don't believe they're independent. So... I, I believe there is I a think certain the level of independence. Don't say the definition. We can argue over but semantics, your, but your, I don't believe that. that it is semantics. It is. And your definition of independence, you just gave it to us. Right. But mine is, like I'm saying, though, I feel like men don't want a woman who is completely dependent on them. They don't. Because when they, they get don't. that, they're like, not. fuck, I feel Well, no. Really so you're going, one, you're going from one extreme to the other. Right. You said completely dependent. That's what she just. That was she. That's what she was talking I'm about. Not, I'm like uh, I don't think that a man wants a woman to depend on them. Like I feel so you, like she didn't say completely depend. She said depend. I think to yeah, some degree there's a dep- there's interdependence. Tomato, tomato. And, no, my point but, is that that both people. I've been married nine years. Okay, and I'm telling you that and and been with the person for eleven. Over time, you become dependent to some degree on that person, but there's a there's an interdependence. If one person's dependent on one more than the other, then that person's feeling like needy, and that other person's feeling like I don't need all this pressure right on me, right? And so there's a balance and there's a healthy level of dependence that both people will share, which refers to as interdependence. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that, but if somebody's still trying to stand alone or they're trying to keep a little nest egg off to the side because they, so you don't agree with that. No, you should never that. have a separate bank account. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you shouldn't be planning an escape route or right. being preparing for okay, that. Okay, I, I can agree with that. People can have separate accounts. We're still individuals, right? Oh, <laughs> no. What? what? Individuals. <laughs> and no, listen to me. Individuals is not the same He's thing as being independent, right? Him. Right? So, 
<laughs> you can you don't lose your identity in marriage, right? But you don't remain independent. And I try right. to explain to you what independence means. It's like look at the Declaration of Independence, right? Look at America when we wanted to be independent from the British, right? We mm. wanted nothing to do with them. We wanted no oversight. We wanted no connection with them. We wanted to stand alone. And so when you say independent woman, black woman, that's what I hear. You know what I never hear? Strong independent white woman. Now, white women been doing their own thing the whole time. I'm just telling you, I've never heard that, right? (laughs) That caricature of that strong, independent white woman ain't pumped into the mainstream like that strong black woman is, right? It doesn't have to be, though. You know why? Because we don't control our own media. And I'm not going to go on my conspiracy theories. I see you going On my conspiracy theories. He's going full hotel, y'all. I'm going to go full on you. (laughs) But I'm going to let you know that it was a lot of the divide is by design. I talk about that in the book, too. And I talk about the greatest society with the whole. Uh, government assistant and how they forced black men out of the house and they basically poor black women married the government they chose to marry the government over marrying a man and all these different things how is it not racial when we came from nothing we were slaves we are disproportionately poor so anytime you put social programs in place for the help the poor and the poor are disproportionately black how is that not a race but you thing? have more white people on those programs that doesn't how there's so more white people in america more white people are in america so you're going to see white on there that's a percentage that is a percentage have more opportunities than yeah the, the... not a good job i'm sorry sharonda no honey <laughs> no, no 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 but they, there's still more opportunities period for Though, you can be we're 12% pregnant. of the population. So, White people make up 67%. I'm sorry. We're still disproportionately uh, poor. You sound like Larry Hoover. From Chicago? <laughs> Larry Hoover, the gangster disciple? Where Larry Hoover are you from? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm from yeah. Chicago, so I know Larry. <laughs> but um, that's just how I feel. I mean, I really believe a lot is about design. You can go all the way back to slavery when the family was split okay. up and all these different things. I'm not going to get into all that, but it's all in the book. I try to give a whole historical perspective so it don't feel like it's just my opinion about it but if you really look at it it's about design tori stuckey then wrote a hotel book <laughs> and wrapped it up in a cookie and said hey, here y'all no, read this i tell you you gonna get your whole listen, life <laughs> i tell you what it is i call it a, i call it a relationship book i mean i call it a, a, a social manifesto that masked, ain't no relationship masked, book. Mass is a relationship book that's all it that is, is it's, in, it's a relationship book camouflage if you don't wake up and use your third eye, my sister. <laughs> but stay woke. But stay I really woke. can't. I really can't wait to read it. I'm woke. No, I mean, I'm woke. I, I don't. I, I don't I use naps. those words because I don't believe in <laughs> dividing us. No, I'm telling you, the words I don't use. Okay. I don't use woke, Clap right? Because this whole division, right? That we we create so many. It's these false dichotomies you create in the black community all the time. Woke asleep, mm-hmm. you know, light skin, dark skin, feel nigger, house nigger, like. You know, it's just all these different things that we try to help separate us. I'm not trying to separate us. I'm right. trying to bring us together. Mm-hmm. So I try to not to use some of these words that I feel like are just being regurgitated all the time and overused. And all they do is function to create more divide. And so I'm mm-hmm. all about black unity. I'm so but excited yeah. about this. Yeah. I feel like this cookie is going to heal this community. <laughs> hey, if y'all really think about this like Chirac and you see the power of the of the cookie. And so, and so that really, we, we've been, we joking about it, but I really argue in the book too, that, I mean, much of what men do is all about impressing a woman. Absolutely. It's all surrounded by it. Right. And so I think that a lot of times men feel threatened because we don't feel like we have enough money and things like that. Right. No, hit me out though. So a lot of men will feel like they'll choose to go to work before they go to school. Right. Yeah. And it's because a woman could literally be a dime 
and pull up in a, a Toyota Corolla to the club and step out looking with the right, you know, hip to waist ratio and people just like bringing in the VIP and spending money. On, a guy pull up looking like Boris Cujo and his Toyota Corolla and he ain't getting no play, right? But see, that's the wrong type of woman. No, nope, I'm just giving an example, right? But that's kind of, if you can take that across the board, I think that men feel like they have to get to a certain level uh, financially before they can get serious with somebody and all these different things. And I feel like more money is spent on the superficial side, the car, the condo, and all these different things. And that could be just a mask, a facade. And inside, they haven't done anything to help better themselves from a uh, personality standpoint, from a character standpoint. And so they got all these character flaws, but this mask and all this fine clothing and all these nice cars and all this luxurious stuff. That's not That's, racial, though. No, I'm not saying that. I'm oh, just, okay. Listen, I don't care I about the white community. Was... I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest <laughs> with you right now. I don't care about any other community. People say this to me all the time. That's not just specific to the black community. That's not just this. That's not just that. I don't care. My focus is on the black community and the struggles that we're having. So everybody else can worry about theirs. I'm going to worry about my people because if we don't fix it, then nobody else will. I live. I lived in Chicago my whole life. Chicago, you go downtown Chicago, it looks like a majestic oasis, right? They didn't spend $50 million on an outdoor concert hall. And went the Mayor Daly um, wife who passed away from cancer, they went and built the outside park in her name that's been cost $60 million. But people and still shooting each other. You go day. six miles south or four miles west to the west side of the south side of Chicago, and it literally just looked dilapidated. People don't even have sidewalks to walk on. They got all these abandoned buildings and all these different things. So, mm -hmm. again, it's been disenfranchised. So if we don't do it, if we don't spend the money to help build up our own communities and we don't come together and do it, nobody will. So I'm not focused on everybody else. That's just my mm -hmm. honest opinion. Well, I would love to keep going, but I feel like you should just come back. Because <laughs> I think we have a lot to talk about, like, outside of your book. Because I feel like... We could definitely go for another Days. forty-five minutes. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I need I feel like I need some backup in here, though. I feel like you don't need no backup. One man right? on the block by yourself. One Girl, shut up. One on the block. One thing. No sleep. I mean, if you feel like you need a partner, like. And you gotta have somebody to come in here and try to tag team. We can take both of y'all on. Don't even worry about it. It's I'm bringing okay. I'm I'm bringing Dr. Umar with me next. WWE style um, tag. The team. show shut down. <laughs> the show shut down. Umar cannot come up in here. We going straight hotel. No, you never go full hotel. Oh yeah, we bring we bring the good doctor in. That's what we gonna do. Well, he's been discredited a little bit recently, so <laughs> yes, maybe he has. Can come. A lot of it. A I'm lot just coke. I'm just joking. Well, we love Umar. How did y'all like the wine? <laughs> was wow. it good? Was it good or not? I mean, you are like we allowed to use that not. word today? Do no. you like it or no. not? It was okay. I thought it was pretty good. I like yeah, it. It was just good. okay. Shit. Dang. Look, I let me tell you something. The last wine that you brought that I was like, oh my god, I love this. That shit had me sick with a headache. Why? I don't know. I think which one? Well, may, and maybe it well, was because we had tea. all that red. She said do, 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 No, she said <laughs> that La Petite. Yeah, that's what La, she said. Yeah, La, La Petite. Petite. It's a daycare, baby. I mean, I think, it, I think it was too expensive for me. Y'all know me. Ned the wine. I don't fuck with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was only $10, though. I'm okay. okay. I mean, I'm it's okay good. with it. This is something that I totally could just sip. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't even, I don't think that it's. It's more like a summer wine. I wouldn't buy it. It's like a summer really? wine. Really? I, I, I liked buzz. it a lot. It I was like crisp. A, a slight buzz. It's it's and maybe it is neat. It needs to be summertime, like you said. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, like, okay, we can totally light. do tacos and sangria again. With this. With this. Okay, I can agree with that. <laughs> it was nachos, it. but okay. 
Oh, it was she had tacos. broad tacos. I did, I you just didn't eat any. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we did because we saved you the chicken ones. Lord Sharonda. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Just well, over I oh, know. You didn't bring us no food today either. So. Okay, well, as usual, you can catch us on, what are we, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Between Us Girls. Just find us on Instagram, Between Us Girls Podcast, <laughs> Twitter, at Girl Talk and Wine. Thank we you. ready. Facebook, Between Us Girls, the podcast. Is that it? I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank you. Go ahead, Danielle. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>